everybody to the Catholic Traveler podcast, the daily edition of the podcast where we are taking you each day to the station churches of Rome during Lent. Hi, Mountain. Hi, Joni. How are you this Monday of Holy Week? I'm fine. Just uh, enjoying the spring weather here in Rome. Nice. Yeah. Was it a beautiful day? Is it a beautiful day? You had Palm Sunday. You said Palm Sunday is always beautiful. Yeah, it was almost 70 degrees, perfect blue skies. Our time went forward. Oh, yeah. Forward. That's right. Yeah. You so, sprung forward. Yeah. So that was that was pleasant. I like, I like the uh, early mornings, you know, so it was nice having some... Wasn't it light in the morning? How does that no, work? No, it's darker in the morning now. Yeah, that's where Your sun is. rises yeah, yeah, later. Yeah. That yeah. was nice because I got to see the deep blue sky. Mm. If you've never been to Rome or woke up early, like early in the morning, <laughs> the sky is like this. Maybe it's like that everywhere, but especially here in Rome, it's like this deep, deep blue. And I love it. And so it's it's nice to see that. So that was good. I enjoyed it. Well, good. Yeah, we have to we have to coordinate our schedules differently now because there's less time. With that extra hour, we had less time between each other, and now we have more time. And well, we just had here that, we are. We just had that for like two weeks, right? I know, but still, it was nice to get used to. I guess. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, Monday of Holy Week brings us to a church connected to the Passion, fittingly. Yeah, Santa Persede, a favorite church of mine, a favorite church of yours, a church I get to take people to all the time, a church connected to another one of our Linton churches. So, a church we've talked about on a podcast, one of our very oh yeah. first podcasts, I think, was on Mary Major. And we talked a little bit about it, but we're going to talk about it again today because we both like it. Yeah. So, it was included in that Mary Major episode because this church is pretty much across the street. It's kind of a little side alley right across the street from St. Mary Major. So it's one that you should not miss if you visit St. Mary Major. But yet a lot of people do because it doesn't look like a church. And like I said, it's on a little side road. So the way you go into this church is you're entering from the side, not from the front. So you don't see like this big facade or something old. It's really just kind of like an orange wall with a brown wooden door. I mean, there's a little sign that says like, hey, it's there's a church. There's a sign that says, yeah, yeah. Santa Perse Day. But from but you afar, you're not going to know what that is. And yeah. so a lot of people miss this church, but it's a, it's a great church. Yeah. And when you go into the church, it looks like a church. It's just that you aren't going in the front doors. So it's easy to easy to miss it. So we mentioned Santa Perse Day herself when we talked a couple, was that a couple weeks ago? It's hard to keep track of Santa Pudenziana. So we went to a church which isn't that far away from this church, Santa Pudenziana, a church that's dedicated to her sister and built on the site of their their father's house, Pudens. And now we have kind of the, not kind of, we have the sister church to Santa Pudenziana, Santa Persede. So they literally. were sisters, literally, literally the, the sister, sister church. church. <laughs> they were sisters and they were known for collecting the relics of the martyrs. So oftentimes they would kind of run into the arena and sop up the blood of the martyrs, collect the bodies of the martyrs so that they would have a reverent Christian burial. And then they themselves were captured eventually and martyred. And so their bodies are here in the Church of Sante Persede. Yeah. So something I love about this church is 
you know, all these early Christian tombs, they were out in the catacombs. And, you know, there was a time where people started raiding the catacombs or, you know, doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing to dead bodies, like trashing them or whatever, stealing stuff. And so the Pope decided he wanted to move those bodies out of the catacombs into the walls of Rome, somewhere safe. And so they emptied out a lot of the catacombs. This church ended up with almost 3,000 martyrs. So nearly 3,000 martyrs were transferred here and are buried in the crypt of this church. And when you walk into the church, they actually have a sign posted right by the door that lists everyone here. So some of them are are popes or maybe a random bishop or something. Um, Some of them are names that you might recognize, but then you'll see like 800 martyrs or 1,200 martyrs. So these are just random bones of martyrs that they collected and they didn't have names attached to them. And so they're all transferred here and put into the crypt. So I love that I mean, of course, you can visit the catacombs where the saints were buried, the martyrs were buried, but you can walk into this church and they're literally under your feet. Yeah. I mean, some of them only known to God, right? Like the list, we have the list of some people, but some of them we don't even know. And there's thousands of martyrs here. Yeah. Thousands. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're in the crypt. You used to be able to go down into the crypt. Have you ever been into the crypt? There's a very slippery staircase. I have. I haven't been with you, but I've been on my own. Um, there's a very slippery little staircase you can slip down. Yeah. Not that I've done that in public in front of people, but. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a crypt and you can go down and you can see like the early foundation of the house that this church is built on top of and visit the martyr's tombs. But it's been closed for probably eight years or so, they were going to do some restoration. And I think they realized it was a little too far gone, like too much work maybe. And so they never opened it back up. So as it is for the past year, you can go down the steps. You can get to like the first couple tombs. You can see an altar, but you can't go down and then like turn the corner and see everything below the church. The so I'm not sure if they're ever going to fix it or if they're just like done. Cause I haven't seen any work going on there. Like even maybe in the last five years, like they had it all blocked off and then to just open it up to as it is today. Maybe they're doing work secretly. Like they did in the Scavi at St. Peter's and they're not telling they, anybody, yeah, but they're they, down there. Maybe they found something good. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a very famous, martyr buried here. Um, well, part of him. And that is St. Valentine. He's everywhere. He is. So his skull is in a church near Circus Maximus. His like official tomb is in a town north of Rome. Um, but this one, they have an urn with some of his bones in it. So I guess he's the most famous one. Yeah, there are three St. Valentines that we kind of all celebrate on the same day. So that's why he seems to be lots of different places. Yeah. Yeah. But he's here. And St. Zeno. So isn't St. Is St. Zeno and St. Valentine, they're in the same chapel, right? Yes. So this chapel is call, is dedicated to St. Zeno, but it's not really known. People don't go to visit the tomb of St. Zeno. They go because of two things. So it's, this is a side 
chapel in the basilica and many people go because it is absolutely stunningly beautiful. So the Pope built it as his mother's tomb. He also buried his mother there and, um, and dedicated it to St. Zeno and it's mosaiced and it's gorgeous. Yeah, so I mentioned that not a lot of people go to this church, like if they're at St. Mary Major or something, because they don't know what's here. But you will see tons of art students. So this is on their itinerary because of the ancient mosaics that are 1,200 years old and look just as shiny and new as they did 1,200 years ago. And yeah, so Pope Paschal built this chapel for his mother's tomb. This was going to be her tomb. Is she buried there? I don't know. She it was supposed is, to be her mausoleum. Yeah, I th- I think she might be downstairs. Okay. Theodora. Yeah. yeah. So I just found out that va- this Valentine that's there is the brother of St. Zeno. So that explains it. Because so, they're depicted on the mosaics. So it's not the Valentine? Well, there's there's three Valentines and we sell it they all have the same cell. They were all martyrs and they were all there we all we celebrate all of them on February 14th. They okay. share a feast day. So we don't know if he's one the, of them was like a priest, one of them was a layman, but they're all Valentine, they were all martyred. Okay. Cuz they they make a big deal out of having St. Valentine and then Yeah, they do. So I just assumed it was the I mean, I knew there were a couple different ones, but I don't know. Yeah, if he's even the in brother, popular maybe culture, he's not. We, I mean, I don't know. No, I think he he is. I mean, even in popular culture, we've kind of made Valentine one person. Um, I won't get into the fact that Valentine's Day isn't, yeah, love notes aren't given because of Valentine, but um, (laughs) it just happened to be his feast day when love notes were given. But anyway, so St. Valentine and St. Zeno and then Empress Theodora, all in this chapel. But there's, besides the amazing mosaics and the beauty, there's something else in this chapel. What's that, Joni? (laughs) That was was for me. Actually, yeah, but that's okay. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that we, it's fitting to come here during Holy Week because it's connected to the Passion. And so we actually have a piece of the pillar of the scourging here in this chapel. So you kind of have to look for it. You kind of have to go a little around a little corner, but it's lit up and there's a little picture of our Lord being scourged. And it's a column that we believe it was brought back from the Holy Land and by one of the, um, by a cardinal, I believe, one of the Mm -hmm. Kalanas. And um, he is, I mean, we believe it's the pillar and it's a, it's one of those things that you can walk past this church, not even know it's a church, not go in, but there is a piece of a relic of the passion. Yeah. So that, that's why this is included on my life of Christ day tour, because we see the manger, we see the scourging pillar, um, the stairs, things like that. Um, But yeah, it's a really powerful and, could even say like a dark relic Mm -hmm. because you imagine what he was going through as he was tied or chained to this being beaten. And if you look at it, it's, it's marble. It's like a black and white marble. And, you know, Christ wasn't the only one they scourged. The Romans were really good at torture. They knew how to punish people. So he probably wasn't the only one that was scourged at this pillar. And if you look at it, you'll see, like scarring on the marble. So you can imagine if what they were beating these people with, if it would scar marble, what that would have done to human flesh. And there's also the story of most people, when they were scourged, it was a death sentence. So it wasn't like they would scourge them and then 
do something to them. But when they were scourging Christ, they didn't want him to die. They wanted him to suffer. And you can even see this on the shroud. If you're looking at the wounds of Christ, there's not a lot of markings on his chest because they knew like, if they hit too much around the heart, it could induce a heart attack and kill him. Um, so yeah, when, when you see this pillar and imagine what he was going through and knowing that they were kind of almost toying with his life, like, let's just make him suffer more, it's, it's pretty dark. And a lot of people yeah. are brought to tears when they see it, not expecting to feel that way. And I think it helps that it's kind of in a dark side chapel in a church with not a lot of people in it. And you can walk all the way around it. It's in this little glass case, um, but you can walk all the way around it. You can, if you have a camera, you can kind of look up and see the top of it. It's not that tall. It's short. Yeah, yeah it's short, it which short. I think surprises people. He would have been hunched over probably tied to it. Right. And there's there's a, there's a fresco nearby that shows him like even just sitting on the ground with his hands tied to the pillar. And again, that's because the Romans didn't want some tall column that somebody could like move away from whatever they're beating them with and kind of hide behind it. They wanted the person to have to like completely bend over, exposing their back, or in the case of the fresco, whether it's the true depiction or not, he's sitting there, but he's there's nowhere to like hide from the the guy doing the beating. So yeah, it is it is fitting that this is what we visit during Holy Week. Yeah. I I mean, I think The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson did a very horrific, accurate job of the scourging. That I find that one of the hardest parts of the movie to watch. Um, I try not to close my eyes when watching it, but I've seen it several times, especially when it came out. We went every Friday to the theater. And I think the scourging scene is one of the hardest just to 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 watch and to to really meditate on how much he suffered for us. Yeah. So that's here. Yeah, well so, there's 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 other stuff too. There's not that's kind of a, a dark ending. We don't want to end on yes, that. Yes. <laughs> no, no. I mean it's a dark ending. It's also I mean it is Holy Week, right? Yeah, yeah. But no, there are other things, including a really beautiful apse mosaic. Oh, and yeah. we've talked a lot about apse mosaics. I think this is probably the one of the most classic apse mosaics. It looks a lot like Cosmos and Damien's. It's a few centuries after Cosmos and Damien, but we talked about how Cosmos and Damien kind of set the 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 type, and so here we have um, it kind of got its inspiration from that. So we see very familiar things that we've seen in a lot of these other churches, like the Pope who dedicate who you know began the mosaic who um, who commissioned it. Commission the yeah. the the yeah, mosaic. We have him with a little yeah. nimbus, right? And so we have him again. that he's still living. So those little signs that we've seen in other apse mosaics, we see here. Um, the the sheep, the apostles depicted as sheep. You have Bethlehem on one side and Jerusalem on the other. You actually have an apse mosaic, but you also have like a triumphal arch mm-hmm. in front of it in apse, in um, mosaic as well. So you have kind of this classic um, Pudentiana and Praxedes are presented by Peter and Paul to Christ. So all these classic things of an apse mosaic are here at this at this church. Yeah, and then on either side, there are two little balconies. And those are actually, there's little doors up there, and those are reliquary chapels. 
So this church not only has the scourging pillar, but there's um, there's a tradition that says they traded part of it to get some other relics. You know, there's hmm. big relic trading back in the day. <laughs> um, and so they have part of the crown of thorns. So as you know, Notre Dame traditionally has the crown. So they have like, Notre Dame has the, the part that makes up the crown. The thorns have been broken off and given to a bunch of other churches. Um, so this church has part of that. And they have part of the seamless garments. So these two relics are brought out on their station day. They don't keep them up in those reliquary chapels anymore. They keep them in the sacristy. I've never seen them because I've never been here on its station day. I'm going to try to go today um, and see if I can see those relics. So I will let you know tomorrow. Um, I overslept in 2005. I was reading my journal we had just gotten back from Florence and Assisi and Orvieto, and I overslept instead of getting to Mass. Oh, no. I know. Hmm. So I haven't seen those relics either. I've seen the Crown of Thorns, but in Paris. Right. So I haven't seen this. So Yeah. And what else? What else do they have? They have some stuff from Charles Borromeo. They have his chair. And a table that he ate at with the poor. So it's yeah. interesting. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that Charles Bermeo was the titular of San Martino ai Monti. And he was. He was a cardinal deacon. So there's different levels of cardinals. And a cardinal deacon is the, is the first level. So when he was cardinal deacon, his titular was San Martino ai Monti. But then when he was cardinal priest or cardinal bishop, I forget which, then he got this as titular. So I thought that was kind of funny because he's listed as having two titulars. So he must have had to surrender Martino ai Monti and then he got Presede. But when he was here, he celebrated Mass here a lot. He often stayed at the at the house next door. And so when he was titular here, he did a lot at this church. And so there are some of his possessions. Yeah, when you said that, I... You paused. I, I was a little... I remember. I, you remember that? Yeah, yeah I, was, I remember because I, I second-guessed myself. And I was like, wait, wasn't he Presede? But I read that he was Martino Imonti, so I said oh, it, I and then I second-guessed it when you paused. The other thing is, I mean, that church is down the street. Um, there's a tradition here in Rome where like, some churches are kind of combined, and so people yeah. like, have the same priest at the same at different yeah. churches nearby. So He's also listed as the archpriest of Mary Major, but it all kind of makes sense because we're talking about it's like its own little, you know, parish boundaries, really. Right, because you know? these churches are all um, really close together. Yeah, but but he did a lot of restoration here. We've talked before about how the cardinal titulars a lot of times will, you know, help the parish community um, do restoration and, and things like that. That's one of the things they're kind of supposed to do to help the community. And so he, he did that. He restored a lot here in the church. Yeah, there's a crucifix here that spoke to St. Bridget, one of her chatty of crucifixes. <laughs> We've seen that other time places. Is this our third or fourth during Lent, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. And what else? What else? There's a big porphyry disc on the floor. So like this big red marble disc that covers um, the well. Because we talked about how they would take the blood from the martyrs and put it into a dry well. Um, So there's a spot on the floor here marking where that is, uh, which would have been like in the courtyard of the house. Um, but it's inside the church now because of the way the church is built. So you can see that. And I nearby, there's a marble slab, I guess. I've never seen this. So now I have to go back and look that where she slept, yeah. Presede slept. Yeah. That's kind of cool. All kinds of stuff. 
Yeah. There's a Bernini, a little known little yeah. uh, tomb, and Bernini did the bust of the of the bishop on the tomb. Yeah. There's a uh, there's this little there's a tomb on the there's a few tombs on the floor, so we don't see that too much in Rome. I guess some churches have it. You see it a lot, like in the north or in Florence, where people are buried underfoot because it was considered a sign of humility to be buried under where people would walk. Um, but there's a few in this church, and one is this pilgrim. Um, he's depicted with like a like a walking stick, and he's got his camino shell. And so it's thought that he would have been like a pilgrim to Rome that died. And I guess you got to have money to be buried underfoot in a church. So he must add some money, wow, like yeah. a rich pilgrim. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's kind of neat. Like when I tell people about these, like I usually position them so they're standing on them. And I said, by the way, you're standing on them. They're like, That's Whoa. nice. That's terrible. <laughs> it's what they wanted, right? That was the <laughs> whole point true. of paying That's all this true. money. It's the whole point. Yeah. So. I don't do it to be disrespectful. I'm doing it to honor the dead. Please them. Yeah, to honor them. Yeah. Something else about this church. There's a... Did you have anything like serious? Because this is kind of funny. No, I I think I've covered all my serious things. So we can end with your funny. So uh, the sacristan or the custodian of this church also is the guy that plays the organ at mass. And so, you know, we've talked before, like how the sacristan or custodian, they're always in the church or they're in somewhere watching you to make sure you don't do anything crazy. Um, But while he's here, he just kind of goes up and plays the organ. And so it's really nice. It adds to the atmosphere. You know, you walk into a church and there's organ and, and it took me a while, but I realized that he plays secular music organ style. So I'm like, Oh, what is this song? I love classical music. So I know a lot of it. And so I'm like, I'll hear something and I'll be like, it'll be going through my brain. Like, what is this? It sounds so familiar. Who is, is this Mozart? And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is Coldplay. (laughs) He plays just like random stuff on, not during mass, of course. This is just like him having, I guess, organ practice, like while people are walking around. But like uh, Ed Sheeran, Coldplay, like I've heard all these things there and it's it sounds he good. Gives it gives it like a little spin. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like yeah. churchy music. Like if you heard this at mass, yeah. you'd be like, oh yeah, this is a good mass song. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. But he doesn't wait do it at minute. mass. He doesn't do it at mass. But yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound like you're listening to Coldplay. It sounds like you're listening to organ. So yeah, that's fun. So you can meditate on what yeah. Christ was going through by listening to Coldplay. Doesn't yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way, but anyway. I like to share that. So, what else, Joni? Well, Anything else about this church? I don't think so. Tomorrow is a church I've never been to. I've tried to get to it a few times. So I like this church tomorrow. So I don't even think I'll show up tomorrow. You can just talk. And okay. I'll I've let been there be twice. Posted. Yeah, it's that's a lot yeah. more than me. Yeah. And it's, it's okay. I I I know what I'm going to say. Yeah, it's one of my favorite parts of town too. It's yeah, shocking I've never it, made it. Yeah. So well, maybe, maybe tomorrow. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Sounds good. Well, bye everyone. Um, have a good Monday of Holy Week, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Ciao. Ciao, ciao.